uh, she has a request for us to be praying for her. And she asked if we would be praying in both services. Uh, she has had uh, uh, numerous operations where they've removed uh, some cancer on her skin, and it is back. Uh, this one here is a little bit more serious. It is on her leg, and um, she's very concerned. The family's very concerned, but obviously she knows we serve a good God. We serve uh, a healer that looks out for us and our needs. So if we could just bow our heads and just spend a moment in prayer. Father God, we thank you for Miss Ruth, Lord. This representation of uh, a devout follower of Christ who, who in her age still has a lot of life left in her, Lord God. I am just thank you. Uh, thank you how you blessed her with the energy that she needs. Uh, God, we pray uh, for her body right now, Lord. God, we pray that you would, you would do the miraculous, Lord, that you would heal her, Lord. Father, may you provide insight to the doctors. Father, we just pray that this medicine and all the, the technology that we have today, Lord God, that it is a success in her healing, Lord. Father God, we lift up her family to you. We pray that uh, they would come alongside her and support her at this time. Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm very uh, grateful to be here today and uh, be able to have the opportunity to speak. My name is Matt. Uh, I am the youth pastor here at Abundant Life. Uh, very honored and privileged um, to be doing what I'm doing, what the God, is, God has called me to be doing. Uh, we need to be lifting up the uh, Jamaica team who comes back uh, tomorrow. Uh, thank you for Pastor David and all that he does and Nastasha. And we're uh, excited to hear next week for them to be sharing uh, just how God worked in the midst of uh, their missions. Um, uh, before we get into the message, uh, I'd like to just open us up in prayer uh, that God would speak. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, when I am asked to speak, sometimes the worship team will give me a call and they'll say, you know, is there anything special that you would like? And, and there's no secrets here. I, I was blown away by the last song uh, because my, my message that God gave me um, talking about God is faithful. And the last song, I was just, just so amazed because honestly, uh, Sunny, she didn't receive my sermon notes till Friday evening. And so, you know, a lot of times you think that, oh, that's just coincidence. No, th this, this, I will fully believe that th this is for today, the message that God has for us. So let us pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much. Father God, we know that, uh, that you look out for us, that you desire for us to be victorious in this life, Lord. Father God, every single need that we have, we know that you provide for, Lord. Father God, may we seek you out today for a newfound wisdom on how to operate in this life, Lord. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the work that you're doing in this church, Lord. We just ask that you be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things from youth camp that I really took away with that Mistasha also shared last week is that the, the youngest generation coming up, the Gen Z generation, this is the first post-Christianity era. 
And that really, I don't know about you guys, but when someone shares something um, that's on their heart or they share a need that they have, or especially when someone is physically hurt, my heart just goes out to them. I, I get emotional. I'm like, okay, what can I do? There's like a, a, a jump in my step. Okay, Matt, God has you observing this situation or in this situation for, for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. And when I hear talk about that statistics that say that we're in a post-Christianity era, there, there comes a, a jump in my step. And I really feel like who we are today in America is the Christians are very much operating like the non-believers. Now, Matt, don't be getting up here just slapping people around and, and Bible thumping, but seriously, we look very much like the world, and God has not called us into that. And I think a lot of times, the way that we process things in our frustrations and our, our, our normal daily walk, I feel like we're, we're walking without God at a lot of times. I think that starting the day off fresh, speaking to your father, allowing him to speak to you, is, is there's a purpose in that. There's a relation in that. So where do you go when them things come up, when, when your faith is tested, when someone rebukes your belief? So where do you go? Do you, do you enter into a... a a victim type mentality? Do you, do you run from it? Do you immediately shut down? Well, God wants us to be offering an explanation for, for why we believe what we believe. And my message today is that we are going to be reminded that God is faithful. We're going to look at the character of God, who God is, and then we're also going to look at the promises of God. There is some very solid, unconditional promises of God that we need to hold on to. We don't need to be swayed away. We have a solid foundation that was created thousands of years ago. But there's also conditional promises. There is, there is things that we may be doing that God is not going to bless. Let's just be real and honest in that. So we're going to be in, bouncing around a lot in, in Scripture and um, some of them I'm specifically going to have you turn to. Some I'm just going to read off. Um, one of the things that, <clears throat> the only message that I had, Brother Dick, that I had heard from uh, Brother Dick Smith, uh, it, I just, I'm so impacted by how he would just go from Scripture to Scripture to Scripture to Scripture and not so much offer his opinion. So you're, you, you're welcome to disagree with what I've got to say, but if 90% of my message is Scripture, then you can take that up with God. <laughs> so, so, we, so we are here to be filled up, right? This is the huddle. Outside of the church is, is our game, right? So we accumulate learning, but then when we are tested, that is going to determine if we believe that God is faithful or not. What do you believe? How quickly do you just shut down? How quickly do you just run away? How impatient do you get? Especially talking about your physical health. 
When God has you going through something, how quick are you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm just done. That's what the world does. So we are called to be different. Not that we want to, but there is, I'd say for most of us, that where, where we do question God, where we do maybe ask, you know, God, are, are you faithful in this? Are you going to see me through? If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We can remember why we believe that he is always faithful by reading these first nine verses out of the first chapter. So 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the, the church in Corinth. Uh, so he starts off with this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you peace, grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. This is our key verse here. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So reminders of, of God's faithfulness. Let these sink in. Uh, I'm going to read these quickly. You may not have time to, to turn to your Bibles, but um, just these are just reminders. These are good things to think of and, and to let them to indwell into your heart. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Psalm 119, 89 and 90 says, Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, this is, Trusting in him in his faithfulness. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, which means if we don't believe, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. 1 Peter 4.19 says, So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right, and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Everything right all the time in every situation. Not only does he do everything he says he's going to do, he fulfills every promise he makes. This means he's always the same all the time. He never changes. He doesn't falter and he doesn't forget. So we have the promises of God, right? At times we, we think, why is this happening? Why, why is it or why is it not happening? Is God doing it different than we had thought? I like the way that Pastor David communicates that, that God answers all our prayers, but a lot of times he just doesn't answer them the way we thought. So when you look at God's faithfulness, there are five attributes or his nature, um, his character that are absolutely necessary for him to say that he is faithful to you and I in every circumstance of our life. Now these are, uh, the first three are some big words. If you were to ask me to define them a few months ago, I probably would struggle, but that's who our God is. He's, he's bigger and beyond a lot of our understanding. <clears throat> First one, omniscience. He must be omniscient. He knows everything, past, present, and the future. He can be faithful because he knows all these things. He knows every detail about you and I. So we cannot surprise him. We cannot hide anything. You know, Scripture says that he knows when a sparrow falls or when a hair falls out of our head. <clears throat> he knows our heart. He knows everything. The second is omnipotence. Omni means all, and potent means powerful. He's all-powerful. In creation, God said, let there be. Think of all the things in creation, just how undescribable that is to compare that to something. When God simply speaks, it happens. He's able to accomplish anything necessary to fulfill a promise. He has an ability to work all things for the good of those who love him. You know, I really like, uh, some of you guys will call me a softy, but I like that movie, The Notebook. It's really great how uh, this younger couple, they, um, they're madly in love, and they have just a rocky relationship, and then they come back together. And um, his wife has uh, dementia, I believe, right? And he always reminds her every day of, of their relationship. And <clears throat> the doctor, uh, later on in the movie, he asks, why do you keep on coming and seeing your wife? It is such a struggle. She doesn't remember you pretty much most of the time, but he sticks with her because he has just a little, little tiny glimpse of her, and she remembers, oh, you're my husband. And his response was, well, science could only go so far, but then there is God. Now, The Notebook is not really a, considered a, like a Christian film or anything, but that is a, definitely a part of the movie that really sticks with me. You know, science, techno technology, doctors, man's ability could only go so far, but then there's God. We just have stories after stories of, after stories of how God showed up in a miraculous way where we never, never thought that he'd be there. Uh, parting of the Red Sea uh, is funny. A buddy of mine, he was telling me last week in church, 
he gave up a, a big woohoo during the service and everybody turned around and looked at him. And the preacher was talking about how after the Israelites had passed through the sea, God had let the, the waters just pretty much, you know, destroy the, the chariots and the soldiers and everything. And when the preacher said that, my buddy goes, woohoo. He said, that's my favorite part in scripture. Think of that. God showed up. How could, could you imagine looking at a sea that is divided in a, in a dry path for you to pass? Do you believe that happened? Yeah. yeah. That, why couldn't he do something like that today? Amen. Number three, omnipresence. God is everywhere. He's always in reach, available at all times. Under no circumstances can you flee from his presence or be separated from his love in Christ Jesus. At any moment or place, you can cry out to him and know that he is available. The, the, after Jesus had, had left we were given the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that is indwelling in all of us is, is available at all times. Truthfulness, number four. He will not lie or misguide us. Titus 1 verse 2 says, This truth gives them the confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. So he will do what he's promised, and remain true to his own nature in every circumstance, even when we fail to do it ourselves. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So God will never mislead us. Stick to this truth, Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Number five, immutability. God is immutable. That means he does not change. Find peace knowing that although heaven and earth may be shaken, his words will never be. Malachi 3.6 just simply says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Without anyone looking, does anyone know what's behind them on the wall that Miss Sunny painted? No, it's we changed it, and I didn't even look myself, but it's the, it's the board of, of, this is the life verse of the Foursquare Church. This, this is what every Foursquare Church in the world should be presenting in their building. That is actually one of the things that we're supposed to be doing. I haven't visited every church in the world, but I would have to claim that you're going to see it. So things may change. Your daily life may constantly be different. The things that you're exposed may be just radically mind-shattering, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John 5. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. So do we absolutely, positively believe him or not? When we come to God for prayer, do we, without a doubt, believe that he hears us? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, 
when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So just as long as it's in, according to his will, he's going to hear us. He does not change. He does not falter or fail. So he has promises. Um, this is great to look at with Scripture. We have a lot of history here. Um, the fact that he doesn't change should be giving us a, a lot of comfort. Um, for example, if, if we confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, that he is our Savior, and you will be saved. Nothing can change that. Nothing, no matter what type of theology that you hear, commentary that you hear, arguments, that, that's right there. This is, this is something that God is not going to change. Forgiveness of sins, repentance of sins, accepting him as Lord, as Master and Savior. So let's, let's look to Scripture for some promises, examples of promises. If you go right at the very beginning... We have Adam and Eve. So God specifically told them what they pretty much can and cannot do. They had a lot of freedom. They could do almost anything, right? Except eat of the forbidden fruit from the one tree in the middle of the garden. But as we all know the story, they disobeyed God. They fell into temptation. And the thing about it is, is God did not allow their sin to go unchecked. But he made a promise in that. Despite their sin, he promised a solution. We all know that through the woman's offspring, that Satan would be crushed. Satan is the tempter. Why does he do that? His ultimate desire is to get you off the God train and onto his train, which is without God. So their minds were changed. That is where the, the curse comes from. Every single one of us has that sin which started from the garden. But he made provision through Jesus Christ. We also have the book of Jonah. God specifically told him, go and preach and tell them that judgment is coming. You look at all the things that God did to Jonah and with the, the storm and getting thrown off the, the ship and, and how a whale swallows him up and spit him out. And you'd think that Jonah would look at all them things that, and, and recognize that God was involved in it. But why, why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? He was a Jew. The Ninevites, they were, they were hated, basically, by the Jews. So... Jonah, the last thing that he wanted was for him to say, okay, this, 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 this is going to happen, and it not happen. It didn't happen because God basically offered a conditional promise. He basically said that judgment is coming. You better, you better change your ways, and they did. But Jonah was very self-centered. He had a very narrow mind in his walk. So he, he knew if they repented, none of his warnings would come true, leading to his embarrassment. God taught him a lesson. 
So we, we believe a lot of things, but we don't have a lot of basis for them. I watched, I don't know if any of you saw it, uh, there was a really good interview with uh, Mike Rowe about a week ago, <clears throat> just talking about you know, just pretty much everything, anything and everything. And he's a narrator. Um, he's also a host of television shows. He had dirty jobs. And uh, the one I really like that he has is Returning the Favor. And just in his just interview, uh, he, he said something that when I first heard it, I, I felt a little offended because I didn't think, I didn't really agree with him until I just dwelled on it a little bit. But he said, you know, I'm really not interested in how you feel. He said, you know, maybe, yeah, we're just, you know, hanging out at a party or something. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get to that. But he, he said, the, the main thing that I'm interested in is why you feel the way you do. And why do you believe what you believe? So a lot of times when he goes to returning the favor, he, he interviews the, the owners of these, these establishments or uh, managers. And he just said, well, what are you guys doing here? And, and why, are, why are you doing it? So I think a lot of us in our relations with people, I think, I think we really need to recognize that we are mentors. We need to recognize that we have the light living within us. And I think a, a good counselor would approach relationships like that. So not so much how are you doing, but what do you, what do you believe? And, and why, why do you believe that? Each and every single one of us, Scripture says that we need to have an explanation for what we believe. And specifically, that's your belief in God. That's your belief in Jesus. Now, don't, don't think that I'm heartless here in, in talking about relations, but I, I really, there's a big part of me that agrees with the approach. I know for me, when I first became saved, I had the most twisted mindset. And fortunately, I had a man, a godly man that came alongside me and helped me through scripture, through prayer, to really start to shift my mindset onto the right road. I had 25 years of these, these hard scripted operations, basically, that had to have been basically erased. 1 Peter 3.15 says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it. The question is, can others see your hope? You accept his promises because he is God. He doesn't change. He knows all things. Everything is in his reach. If he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. If he gives us a warning, he's going to fulfill it. Your whole faith is based on your understanding of who God is. What is he like? The example we have from Abraham in Genesis 12, God promises to bless all families of the earth through him, land, descendants, blessings, and it's exactly what God did. You know, we have, through the lineage of Abraham, we have Jesus Christ, fulfillment of God's promise. We have Noah, who, who God spoke to him and told him, hey, this is what I have coming you need to build an ark. Then he said that I will never do it again. And he hasn't. That's why he gave us a rainbow, Scripture says. It's a covenant that he had. 
It's funny, I, I just brought it up to somebody with all the rain that we had. A, a non-believer just said, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening here. We might just get flooded out. I said, nope, nope, God said he's never going to do that again. So it was a good lead-in to conversation, right? So this is another thing, and I don't have this in my notes, but <clears throat> the, the story of the fall of Jericho. You know, God was leading the, the Israelites into the promised land, and the first battle they had with the, the Canaanites was at Jericho. And God told Joshua for, for this, um, for the, the walls to come down, to march one time each day for the first six, six days, and on the seventh day, march seven times. And they, think of, think of, them just being there and wanting to fight and wanting to, to press forward because they had to go through there, right? Well, they could have just given up on the sixth day. But they were there for the seventh as well, and they saw the walls coming down. So there was a, there was a song that's very popular right now. Um, it was birthed from, the, from this story. It's called Do It Again by Elevation Worship. And I don't know if you catch it, but right in the very beginning, the first lyric they have is, Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. He will get you through this. When I look at my personal life and the things that have happened to me, they're, they're nothing in comparison to, to people that are right here. Some of your stories. But I just, when I hear that song, I just, I feel like I can't get through it sometimes. But when I really process the words of the song, it's the recognition for me that every single thing that I've experienced, God has carried me through it. So the question to each of us here is, what type of example are we setting when we are having discussions with our non-believing coworkers that, I just, I don't know if I can get through this. Oh, gosh. And they, they try to offer you their worldly wisdom, which is, which is good, which is great. But we are called to be disciples. We are called to make disciples. Disciples make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. That is your mission, whether you recognize that or not. You are not called to be the victim in everything. So great is your faithfulness. He's going to get you through this. I guarantee it. Let us be a church that is completely open to hearing each and everyone's problems and to allow the Holy Spirit through our guidance that he delivers for us to be encouraged, for us to be uplifted, to get through it. We read in Matthew 16, Jesus says, I'm going to be crucified, persecuted, and I will rise. He said it before it happened, and it happened exactly the way that he said it was going to happen. When God makes a conditional promise, it's based on something we did or didn't do. 
Believing in Him is our life eternal. So when we go through storms in life, what gets us through them? The unconditional promises of God. If He were to change, alter His course, then what happens? We would have no assurance. There'd be no reason at all to believe because you just don't know. Many promises on which to rely. God will meet your needs, Matthew 6.33. All things work together for good for those who love God, Romans 8.28. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life, John 3.16. So how can we believe this? Let's look at some promises. He is unchanging. If you have your Bibles, turn to Lamentations 3, 22 to 25. Lamentations 3, 22 to 25. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. He empowers us. 2 Peter 1, 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. <clears throat> how, how ridiculous would that be for God to call us into something but not equip us? That doesn't make any sense, right? God is asking us to take the jump, to, to take the big step of faith, to just get out there. And he will equip you to do it. One of the things we uh, shared in youth on Wednesday was the story of this guy named Felipe. I don't know his last name, but he's from France. And in the mid-70s, he illegally, he strung a wire between both Twin Towers in New York City. And he walked the tightrope and he was doing flips and dancing. And uh, he actually ended up being arrested as soon as they got him off that thing. But he had such an encouragement from the people. Thousands and thousands of people were just so happy with what he did. I think the main thing is because there was so much negativity about the construction of the Twin Towers. There was, uh, they were financially like bankrupt, basically. But it was something good. It was a promotion for the Twin Towers. But they interviewed him. They actually made a movie a couple of years ago about it. They interviewed him. They said, what was the biggest takeaway from doing that? What was the biggest moment? He said, having one foot on the wire and the other foot on the building. And he said, as soon as you take that other foot and put it both feet on the wire, he said, you enter into a whole new world. So the, how we tied that into our youth meeting Wednesday was that we are to take them big leaps of faith because God is faithful so are you, are you out on the wire? Are you operating in that whole new world? Or do you have one foot back and one foot in? This is a great illustration for me. So he forgives us. This is something to repeat to yourself uh, time and time again. 
if you're beating yourself up and you think that you're not forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, and we all know this, but we need to be reminded. 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Be certain that we are forgiven. He limits temptation. This, this verse here, it seems like half of the Christians I talk to believe one thing and half the other, but let's just, let's just look at what Scripture says, and there needs to be no debate about it. 1 Corinthians 10.13, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you endure. I think a lot of us in our, our beat-up mentality sometimes, we think that God is just giving me way more than I can handle. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to be seen through this. God disciplines us. It's an act of his faithfulness to get us back in line for us to do what he would have us to do. His judgments are always right. He sends enough affliction to change our attitude, to change, change our mind, to start living obediently before him. Discipline is from God. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 6, he, six, he says, He says our Heavenly Father knows our needs before we can have them. And he will meet our needs before we even know that we have them. He's a God who's willing to meet our every need because he loves us unconditionally for his children. Another point, he always has a purpose. If he allows us to go through difficulty, he's not just sitting back watching, he's involved in our life. He seals us for eternity. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So you are his own, and there's a guarantee that you will be saved. As believers, we are sealed forever as God's children. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Another point is he promises us a resurrection body. This is a, a promise that in heaven there, there will be no tears. There will be no weakness. We'll never get sick. We will never die. It says in scripture, it says they are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. You're not going to find any place in the Bible where God made a mistake or he made an error or where he forgot. God is committed to us for all eternity. And lastly, he's faithful to the unbeliever. So if you turn to Matthew 7, 21 to 23, one of the things I love about God and the more I discover about him is he's not wishy-washy. There is judgment for the non-believers. There's judgment for those who are not saved. 
Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesize in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Some say, I don't believe in God. Well, what do you believe? That's the question. In, in your conversations of being able to explain what you believe, well, maybe you need to kind of press in like Mike Rowe, who I believe he's a Christian, but I'm not trying to just point to him. But what he said, well, what, what, do, you, what do you believe? Hmm. Why, why do you believe that? We don't always have to have an answer for them, but we need to have an answer for ourselves. When you eliminate the one true God, there is no assurance of anything, no hope. I'd say most, it should, every single person in here, if they confess that they are a follower of Jesus Christ, they believe that they are going to heaven, right? So on the basis of what? The one simple truth, the promise of the Son of God, who never changes his mind and has all power to make it a reality. Non-believers, they have no assurance. If they stop and think about it, their hope is totally unfounded. We just don't have a hope. We have a hope with assurance given to us by God. So for a, for a response, I'm not going to apologize if this is coming across a little too deep or, or convicting. But if you would just bow your heads with me and let's get real with God. Father God, help us to live a life totally committed to you. Without a doubt, may we believe in your promises, Lord God. Scripture says exactly who you are. Scripture says the conditional and unconditional promises, Lord. Father God, this is a tough life. It truly is. But we are called to be a blessing to others, Lord. But first, we need to get things right in our hearts, in our minds, to be able to be used and to be useful. If you are here with us today and you've never made a, a commitment, made a confession of faith to his son Jesus, you have an opportunity to do that now. As scripture shared, each and every one of us is a sinner, but we are saved by the grace of God. So admitting your sins is the first thing to do. And the next thing is to believe what we just shared there. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came into this world to die for us. Who did die, but he was resurrected. And us too, we may inherit that heavenly life, that eternal life. And lastly, if, if you're making a decision today, God is calling you to make a commitment to him in your daily walk 
your life will, will be forever changed by this decision. We have so, so many examples. Let us to turn that statistic around where we are raising up a new generation that is, that is post-Christianity. May us take this calling seriously. May we live for you, Lord. May we turn our ears and our hearts to you, Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for relating to us and to have fellowship with us, Lord. Father God, thank you for the perfect peace that you offer in every situation. We love you, Lord. 